Our scripture reading will be from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pew in front of you, uh, that's page number 962. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Just one verse, but very powerful. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing this, that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Every year our elders challenge us as a congregation with a theme, a word or a phrase that they intend for the church to think about for the coming year. This year, 2019, our theme has been Rise Up and Build. That theme went well, I think, with the construction, the physical construction, the things that have happened with our uh, facilities here. For 2020, our elders have prayerfully thought about and chosen the word abound. Abound as our theme. A way of thinking about applying God's word to our lives, a way of thinking about the challenge of living as a New Testament Christian. Let me ask you something. Could it be said of you, could it be said of your faith that you are abounding in things that please God? Could it be said of us as a congregation that we are abounding in the work of the Lord? The word abound scripturally is found at least 145 times in all of its forms in the Bible. And the word means to overflow. Not just to have up to the top, but to overflow, to pour over the edge, if you will, of a cup or a container. The word abound means to have an overabundance or an excess of something. So when somebody says that person is abounding in love, it doesn't mean that they're just kind of a loving person. It means that they are just excessively, overabundantly loving. The word abound means to have more than enough. Sometimes we're concerned about how much is enough. How much do I need to, as a Christian, be involved in the Lord's work? And how much do I need to seek his kingdom? And how much do I need to be an example and a light to those around me? Abundance, abounding means to have more than enough. It means to be rich in something. To have so much that a person would say that we're rich in a certain quality or a certain property. The word abound means to, to have or to possess or to increase beyond one's ability to measure. And so when you think about that word abounding, scripturally, biblically, there's a lot to commend in the concept of abounding, abound. Consider this, just some phrases, some Bible examples of abundance. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58, that Kevin read for us just a moment ago, the apostle Paul has been discussing the resurrection of the dead. And after saying that we're all gonna rise from the dead one day, he reassures, he comforts, he challenges his brethren. He says, be steadfast, 
be immovable. In other words, you hold on to the gospel that you know is right, that you know is true. You hold on to that. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. He's talking to a congregation. Make sure that there is an excess, an overflow, an abundance of the Lord's work happening among you. And here's the reason why. There's a promise attached. In that you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What we do for the Lord has implications in eternity. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Lay up treasure in heaven. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Another passage, Jesus talking about himself as the good shepherd says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I, Jesus, came that they may have life, and not just life, but they may have it abundantly. The Lord promises that when he is our shepherd and we choose to let him lead our lives, that there is abundant life to be found in him, a life full of richness, a life full of overflow of things that come from God, a life that is abounding in all the right things, in all the right areas, the abundant life. Consider this in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. The Apostle Paul was challenging the church to be generous in their giving. And here is what he says. God is able to make all grace abound to you. The God that we serve, brothers and sisters, is a God of abundance. He doesn't just give a little bit. He is able to make all grace abound toward you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So the abundance of God's gifts and God's grace and God's riches in our lives is a reason for us to abound in things that are right and things that are good and things that are holy. We need to think about this word abound in all of its implications for our lives. A book I read recently had this provocative title, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. I was fascinated by that. When someone passes away, it's kind of curious, you know, why did this person pass away? What was the cause of death? An autopsy is performed. And so this writer wrote this book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church. He had some interesting things to say. He looked at a number of churches and ones that had closed their doors and, and asked the question, what, what were some precipitating factors? What led to this set of circumstances? Just to give you some examples of some of the things that he mentioned. He said, for example, every congregation that closed its doors eventually had made a habit of dwelling on the past whether for good or for ill. The good old days, they'll never come back. Or the past, the, the hurts and the pain that have happened in the past, those things are, are, are just things we can't get over and we're not gonna let go of. But dwelling on the past was a common factor. The budget was moving inward. We're no longer concerned about the lost and we're no longer concerned about saving souls and we're no longer concerned about outreach and missions and those kinds of things. We're going to spend the money that God has blessed us with on ourselves. We're going to serve ourselves. We're going to take care of our needs. Budget moving inward. Common factors. Their great commission, go make disciples of every nation, became the great omission. 
looked around and, and in all these congregations that had closed their doors, nobody thought that it was important in their personal lives to really get serious about teaching the gospel to others. When you think about what leads to a congregation that closes its doors, one of the factors that was interesting to consider, it was a congregation that rarely prayed together. Oh, they had prayers. Men would stand up on Sunday mornings and men would offer prayers and certainly those kinds of things, routine, right? But as a group, as a group of people, prayer was not really an essential part of their lives with one another. The church had no clear purpose. Why do we exist? What are we here for? What is the reason for our being? And then finally, an obsession over facilities. There's nothing in the world wrong with a congregation providing and making provision for facilities that help it as a tool to exalt God, to worship Him, and to reach out to those around that need to hear the gospel. But to obsess about the facilities to the exclusion of really serving the Lord, that was a recipe for disaster. I bring this to your attention because it occurs to me, brothers and sisters and friends, that if we are always abounding in the work of the Lord, it occurs to me that if we're abounding in hope and grace and love, and it occurs to me that if we are focusing on the essentials of the gospel of Jesus Christ and making sure that we are striving to produce genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, it occurs to me that the selfishness, and that's what that is, displayed in every single one of these principles, these ideas, that selfishness is going to be rooted out of our hearts, abound in things that really matter. Stop being selfish. Stop being self-centered. Think about the kingdom of God. Think about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And think about how you can be a servant like Jesus in the life of somebody else. As we think about this word abound, I want to think about it from these two perspectives this morning. Number one, the word abound, it accurately describes how God blesses. Don't overlook it. I know that a lot of what I've said already has applied to how we serve the Lord. We are to be abundant in our service, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But I want you to stop and think, first of all, the Bible emphasizes, if you do a word study on the word abound, the Bible emphasizes that this is how God blesses us. This is how he blesses the world. He is an abundant giver. In Leviticus chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, when God was placing the people of Israel in the land of promise, he said this. He said, take heed to my commands and to my precepts, and if you'll do that, and if you'll follow them, then God said, I'm going to make the land fruitful. And not just fruitful, it's going to bring forth fruit in abundance. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will do what I have promised. I will bless you, and I will bless your land. And when I bless your land, it's not going to be, well, we're just going to barely make our crop this year. We're just going to barely have enough to get through the winter. I'm going to bless you abundantly. That's the way God blesses. Jesus, when he fed the multitudes, feeding the 5,000, feeding the 4,000, he would take a few loaves and a few fish. And it's amazing to stop and think about what Jesus did with those loaves and those fish. He began to give out the bread. He began to give out the fish. And lo and behold, everybody who was present had full stomachs. 
And not only did everybody get as much as they wanted to eat, did you eat a lot this past week? Everybody I've talked to so far says, I ate too much and then I regretted it. Everybody was full. Think about how much work went into that meal that you prepared this last Thursday. Jesus prepared a meal for thousands and everybody was full and then they took up baskets and those baskets were full. How does God bless? He blesses abundantly. And if we forget that, we're going to think that we're the ones who are creating the abundance. And we're going to think we're the ones who have to manufacture all these blessings. We're going to forget that it's a dependence and a reliance on a God who gives abundantly. When we talk about abounding, there has to be a recognition that we are merely channels of God's grace. We are not producers in and of ourselves. In Luke chapter 15, the prodigal goes into the far country, running from his father, running from his home. He finds himself in want, the Bible says. No one gave him anything. He was hungry, and he was so hungry that as a Jewish man, he was thinking about eating the pig's food, the paws that the swine ate. And he remembered his father's house, and the father in that parable represents God. And that young man said, how many of my father's hired servants have, watch this phrase, bread enough and to spare. That means that the servants in my father's house have all they want to eat and still have food left over because that's the kind of father that we serve. And that's the kind of thought that brought that young man back to his father, back to his house with a humble and penitent heart. In Romans 5 verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. When God forgives, when God blesses us and cleanses us in salvation, he forgives, the Bible says, he cleanses, he saves to the uttermost, Hebrews 7 verse 25. We serve a God who blesses abundantly. He is able to supply, the Apostle Paul says, all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 18 and 19. Think about the way God blesses. Paul said, if you'll think of it this way, God has a storehouse of riches. God can do anything he desires within his will. And God is able to make all grace, all blessings abound towards you. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 3. You look at verses 20 and 21. The Apostle Paul had just gotten through praying for his brethren, praying for their unity, praying for their faith to grow and their knowledge of the love of God to increase. And then he says this at the end of Ephesians chapter 3. Look at verses 20 and 21. He says, Now to him, Ephesians 3 verse 20, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, According to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. He just can't get over and can't praise God enough for the way that God blesses exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You believe God blesses like that? You believe that when he chooses to bless that this is what happens, this is the result? that God is abundant in his blessings. Back at 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 12, Paul mentioned and prayed that the Lord might make the church to abound in love 
even when it comes to loving other people, even when it comes to loving the lost, the source, the giver of every grace, of every blessing is the Father up above, the God who loves us and who blesses abundantly. And so as we think about this word in 2020, as we consider how it applies to our lives, let us first and foremost remind ourselves we serve a God who blesses abundantly. He doesn't ever give halfway. He doesn't ever give just a little bit. He is a God who blesses abundantly. Secondly, this morning, consider this. As you consider the word abound, notice that it describes a challenge for New Testament Christians. You got your Bibles? Let's look at some passages together. Turn to Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13, a challenge for Christians. Paul is writing to his brethren and reminding them of he's, he's concerned about their unity and concerned about their faith. And he says in Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, it's somewhat of a prayer. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. He's telling the brethren, make sure that you believe the things that Jesus Christ can do for you. Put your faith and your trust in what Jesus has done for you and the, and the fact that he can save you from your sin. May you find joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You stop and think about that. What God's will for us is, is that there might be an abundance of hope in our lives. That we might experience not just a little bit of hope. I'm just holding on by my fingernails and I'm not sure if I'm going to make it. I'm not sure if I'm going to be right with God on the last day. But there might be an abundance of hope. That's the will of God according to this passage for us. It's a challenge. And my pursuing in my life the things that will lead to an abundance of hope. Specifically in this verse, believing in the gospel and finding joy and peace in what's been taught and what I've confessed and believe about Jesus Christ. Do I have a hope as a result of that? Next, turn to 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 12. The church was fighting and fussing about a number of things, spiritual gifts. Paul was telling them, according to the will of God, how to use those gifts. And in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12, he tells his brethren who are zealous for spiritual gifts, he said, let it be for edification of the church that you seek to excel, that you seek to abound. In other words, if I'm going to do anything in the church, if I'm going to have any kind of influence on my brethren, let my motives... Let my heart and my desire be for the edification of my brethren. Let me abound in those things, in building up the church. That's where Christians need to abound. You know, there are a lot of people that tend to abound in other things. We can abound in being critical and judgmental. We can abound in always popping somebody else's balloon. Somebody else has got a good idea. I could throw cold water all over that. We can abound in those things. New Testament Christians abound in building up the church. It's a challenge. Not just a little bit, but an overflow of those kinds of things. Abounding in the work of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Am I really sincerely abounding in things that matter to God? 
Not just because the church has a program or the church has an activity, but the things that matter to him, his work, his idea, his ideals are those what I abound in in my life. (coughs) If we stop and think about it, we can be pretty self-centered and pretty selfish if we're not careful. And if you haven't already noticed from the way this lesson was constructed, it is selfishness and self-centeredness primarily that will keep us from really abounding in the things that please the Lord, that bring honor and glory to Him. We're to abound in thanksgiving, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Because of who God is and because of how he's blessed and because of the ways in which he's working in our lives, we are to be thankful. We are not just to say thank you every once in a while, but to abound in thanksgiving. In Luke 17, Jesus healed the 10 lepers and only one came back to say thank you. Most people don't think about abounding in thanksgiving, but a Christian does. It's a challenge to overflow to have an excess, to be rich. What other people describe you as a thankful person, as a person who's all about the building up of the body of Christ, a person who's genuinely appreciative for the work of God and the work of others in your life. We're to abound in generosity. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2. Paul is writing to his brethren and telling them that he wants for them to be generous. And he holds up as an example the poor brethren in Macedonia. And listen to what he says. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. What does that mean? Paul said, first of all, these brethren in Macedonia, they had an abundance of joy. They were glad to be Christians. They were glad to know the Lord. They were glad to understand the gospel. And not only were they glad, but they were so glad that they put their money where their mouth was, so to speak. They were abounding in liberality. They gave until it hurt, and then they gave some more because that's the kind of faith that they have. They abounded in generosity. It's a challenge for Christians. You think about the word abound. Turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Very, very fascinating when you read the pages of Scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. And the Scripture says that Paul was praying for his brethren in this way. I pray this, he says, Philippians 1, verse 9, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. When you read the New Testament, you'll find that newly planted congregations, brand new congregations of the Lord's church existing in places like Thessalonica and Philippi and other places, these new congregations, they needed a lot of teaching. They needed a lot of development. They needed people to to love them and to work with them. But the one thing that's consistently said is that they all needed to abound in love. You love people, you love the saints, you love the Lord, you love his work, that's great. These, these passages like Philippians, they acknowledge that. But then the prayer is that they might abound still more and more in love. Anybody think they got love mastered? You think you've got all love figured out? I've, I've got all the love I need. 
I'm giving all the love I can and, and everything's great. If you feel that way, you need to read the New Testament because all of us can do better. All of us can abound still more and more in love. Don't forget the connection. It's not something that we manufacture in and of ourselves. This is God's grace, God's blessing in our lives. And it helps us to see God's given me opportunities to love people even more. I can abound in love. We are to abound in lives that please God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 1. You know, sometimes selfishness, sinfulness creeps in. I'm going to do what pleases me. I'm going to do what seems good, seems right to me. I don't care what God's word says about it. I don't care what other people think about it. I don't care how it hurts anybody else. I'm going to do what pleases me. All of us can do better in seeking a life that abounds in pleasing the God of heaven. We ought to abound in a faith that grows. Last passage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, and listen to what Paul says. We are bound, he says, to thank God always for you, brethren, as is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Other translation, your faith abounds. Same Greek word. We are to have a faith that is abounding, constantly invested in the Word of God, constantly invested in the life of God's people, constantly invested in the will of God and seeking it in our lives, constantly invested in the kingdom of God, seeking it first above everything else. Matthew 6, verse 33. We're to have a faith that grows exceedingly. You and I, all of us, we ought to consider this word abound. As a congregation, a challenge for you this morning. In the coming year, let us as a congregation do the following. Number one, let us be Christ-centered and gospel-oriented, gospel-focused. Let's make sure that that's what we are all about. Is Jesus Christ being lifted up? Is the gospel being promoted? Is it being taught clearly and simply? Are people understanding and coming to a knowledge of what the gospel is all about? And do they know Christ as a result? Let us be as a congregation, beware of confusing activity with spirituality. They are not synonymous. We are a very active, a very busy congregation, but it is not the same thing as being spiritually involved. Just because we're doing something doesn't necessarily mean that we are abounding in things that really matter. Let's be careful as a congregation about that. Let's humble ourselves before God and others. There's no place for egos and pride and territorialism among the people of God. It's not right. It's not biblical. It's not Christ-like. If we're going to abound in things that really matter, we need to make sure that we are humble that we are wise in the way that we treat one another. James chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let's put away critical spirits. Selfishness. I'm telling you, anybody can point out flaws. That's easy. You want to just do easy things? You want to just do things that are destructive? Fine, be a critic. Point out the flaws. Anybody can sit in the cheap seats and call out the quarterback for the way he plays and call out the coach. It's a different thing altogether to be on the field. Let's put away critical spirits among us. 
It is not productive. That is not to say that we can't in loving kindness confront one another, but that's different. That's different from having a critical attitude and a fault-finding spirit. Let's put those away. As a congregation, if we're going to abound, let us emphasize every member ministry. We do not have three ministers. Every one of us as a congregation is a minister. That's biblical. We are servants of one another, and most of all, we are servants of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And let's remind each other as God's people that every single one of us has a place in the body, and every single one of us has a responsibility to others, every member ministry. Let's pray fervently. As the people of God, let us go to him and acknowledge our dependence on him and petition him for things that are bigger than what we could attain all by ourselves. I'm kind of concerned about my own prayers. I'm kind of concerned about the prayers that I hear us offering together as a body. Because one of the things that I've heard a lot of recently is prayers that we will already fulfill things that we have planned, things that are easily attainable, we already have them in our budget, and we're not thinking about as a congregation enough the will of God and the desire of God in this community and in the world in general. We need to abound in the will of God. We need to abound in our faith as God's people. We need to make sure that our prayers reflect that. And I'll start with me. It needs to be in my, my prayers as well. What are we praying for that only God can give and that will never happen if God doesn't bless us in those, in those respects. What are we praying for along those lines? Things to think about. The word abound is a challenge. Don't just have a little bit. Overflow. Be rich. Be full. Because that's the way God blesses. Thanks for your attention this morning. Get your song books and open to the song that was announced just a few moments ago. Maybe you have been studying the gospel of Jesus Christ and you realize who Jesus is and realize what he can do in your life and you need the salvation that only he can provide because he really is the son of God and he really does want you to respond to him and you're ready to do that and you believe that he's the son of God and you're willing to confess that before others and you're willing to repent of your sin. You're gonna put it away, you're gonna stop, you're going to turn 180 degrees and you're gonna pursue the will of the Lord and abound in his love and his mercy for the rest of your life. The Bible says when you're ready to make that commitment, be baptized. Be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, Acts 2 verse 38. In baptism, we put on Christ, Galatians 3 verse 27. In baptism, we are saved, 1 Peter 3 verse 21. If you're ready to make that commitment this morning, if you want to respond and ask for prayers, whatever your need, won't you come while we stand and while we sing?